0: Well good morning everybody. Welcome to our Sunday school. Uh, what is scheduled to be at least the last Sunday school of the year in the year prior to law, which we uh, look forward to a minute break so uh, two. But uh, have you got your Bibles for in Philippians chapter two today. Uh, and it's just like we start something brand new and you also for those of you online that uh, did not participate in last night's um, christmas party these lights won't die so i told Julie, i'm just going to wear this sweater and put the lights <laughs> down <laughs> she's like no no that was not her. no day. it's red <laughs> Chapter 2, uh, and then we'll start in the Green Book. Uh, if you need Green Book, there's one online at Uh And I, I must confess the point, I don't have any way to interact with those of you online uh, because of all of my technology failed this morning, uh, except for what Dave Barber set up. Like, that worked all of my Barber technology failed. So uh, we're live streaming from my iPhone, so I can't get text messages. Uh, and Dave, if you could just keep <laughs> going and make sure it continues to look something like that. That would be great. We'll do. Um, And if you want to log in and watch the video and see if anybody has feedback like, oh, they can't hear me, they should be able to, but uh, we'll see. All right, so let's read through uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, in any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus Who, existing in the form of God Did not consider equality with God As something to be exploited Instead, he emptied himself By assuming the form of a servant Taking on the likeness of humanity And when he had as a man He humbled himself by becoming obedient To the point of death Even to death on a cross For this reason, God highly exalted him And gave him the name that is above every name, So that the name of Jesus Every knee will bow, in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. So that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things will go with me, I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co worker, fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Philippians chapter 2. All right, so Lord willing, and much to come dismay. this man. Uh, we are not going to get through four verses today. Uh, we are going to get through two, hopefully. So today, we can go to the next uh, two more slides, I think. There we go. So just the first two verses today. Uh, and I I have a thought about the structure of this, but it, it's not validated yet. So hopefully I will have enough time to go research and think through and plan and figure out if this is actually tied out right. But just... Walk with me here for a second because Paul generally lays things out structurally with an intent to see connections between things. So, I just want to show you something. So, if then, and what's the answer to all of his if-thens here? Christ. Say it loud. Christ. Christ, yes. The answer is a resounding yes in Christ. Yes, good. Excellent. So, is there, let me ask you another form of a question. Is there any encouragement in Christ? Yes. Okay. Is there any consolation of love in Christ? Yes. All right. Is there any fellowship with the Spirit in Christ? Yes. All right. Is there any affection and mercy in Christ? Yes. Okay. You're like okay. Rhetorical questions by Paul. Right. Verse one. Here you go. Now, so how many how many little bits were there? How many little sections were there? There were four. Right. Now how many how many come after he says make my joy complete? By thinking the same way, having the same love, united in the spirit, intent on one purpose. So there's four if-thens, and then there's four like, well, then do these things. All right. So look at the first one. Is there any encouragement in Christ? Well, then think the same way. Is there any consolation of love? Having the same love. Look at the third one. If there's any fellowship with the spirit, united in spirit. You see some parallels here? Okay. And then any affection and mercy Intent on what this is where it all falls apart. Like, I don't, I would like pound the pulpit and say this is great until this last one. Like, Uh, I don't know, maybe I I need to do a little more work on this to see if it is in fact something that's parallel or not. But the first three are really cool, so that's my that's what I'll be trying to answer over Christmas (laughs) break is it is this structure actually legit or am I just seeing this? So we'll see. All right, so next page, Day. uh, and let's pick up in our green books in page 107. So if you're on page 107, most of you like to skip these pages? you like to wait. Anybody got a comment about page 107? Just go ahead and say It's all Greek to me. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, this is a Greek text. Um, and the, the reason I put this in here is twofold. One, I'm lazy and I don't ever look at it up every single time. Uh, and two, it's helpful for me to see the original order of the words. Now, Greek is not a, it's, it's not a, it's not a language where sentence structure always matters, but there are things that the author can do by arranging certain things that can put a little more emphasis or a little less emphasis on things by the way they're ordered. We're not going to get into it today. I just wanted to show you, for each one of the brickies in the book, this does exist. All right, now we're going to page 107. You relax. It was like, what are we about to do? This is madness. <laughs> all right, so this is uh, page 108. I'll show you my notes. This is my crazy attempt with all the lines and the arrows. and They're all green thesis, so I failed on the whole college coding. But like, this is me. I was like, I'm channeling thesis right now with the structure of an organization. So, uh, fun stuff. Uh, All right, so let's take a look at uh, page 108 there. So, then if then, so these are rhetorical questions and we just answered. The answer to all of them is what? Yes, in Christ. Yes, in Christ. All right, great. So, if you want to jot that down somewhere on page 108, that's probably a good note to make. Uh, Yes, in Christ. Go to page 109. So, if then there is any encouragement. So, this word encouragement. Guess what this word means? Encouragement. It's a really well translated word. Like it right here. It's a really well translated word. Uh, it shows up a lot in the New Testament, 29 times. Uh, Paul uses it quite a few times. It's the only time it's used in Philippians, uh, which is which is interesting because a person who is filled. With joy, because of their relationship with Christ, as a result of being connected with Christ through the work of the gospel, do you think they're going to naturally be an encourager? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's going to be something that's going to be an outflow here. If you read through Philippians, does it feel like Paul is encouraging the Philippians? Like, yes, it's absolutely. All right. So here's another one of these, and he does. I think Paul does this several times in Philippians, where he. He mentions something without drawing attention to himself that he's actually accomplishing this thing in the way that he is engaging with them. So he models a lot of things without actually explicitly saying, go and do this. But he, you know, the expectation from the hearers here is that when they hear someone read this to them, is there any encouragement in Christ? And they, I, I, I can, and I don't like to do this often because I don't like to put the images in your head about what went on, but... I can envision the, the Philippian believers like nodding along. Yeah, there is. Oh, yeah, that's a yes, to. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, a good string, Paul. And then he tells them what to do. You're like, oh, okay. he got around to Paul, he leaves with the doctrine and then he goes to the practice. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, and there is, so our first application is the page 109, uh, there is encouragement in Christ. These are going to be super straightforward today. If you thought these- A lot of complex stuff here. So, what should we do do with that? Be encouraged in Christ, yeah. I don't know where we look for our encouragement, but the first place should be the best place. Is there any job in the universe that anybody can do better than Christ? Drop everybody off the list. Mm-hmm. You know? <coughs> Just stop. Yeah, and the other thing is that uh, we have this tendency to use really sloppy language around the way God emotes toward us and feels towards us. We tend to say things like this can uh, please God or this can make God smile or this can make God sad. Please let me I mean, and this isn't in the Philippian text, this is more in the Romans, but there is nothing you can do that makes the Father, Son, or the Spirit have any other response to you because what the gospel has done in our lives other than unbridled joy, like you can't make Jesus sad. You can't. You can't make the Father sad. The Father has no anger, no wrath, no condemnation, nothing left for us because Jesus took all of that. So when we talk about like uh and I, I think I'm pretty sure I did this with our kids, and I'd like, sorry guys, um I don't do that that'll make Jesus sad. That's a weak Jesus then. That's a really weak father. So there's no condemnation left. Just be encouraged in Christ. Just be encouraged. This is this is this is good news. Like Unbelievably good. Imagine having a father you can never disappoint. Because of your brother, yeah. that's a weird. Step. Yeah, it is. That's what the gospel presents us with. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, then yes, there is encouragement. If there's any consolation of love, this word consolation only occurs one time in the New Testament. Now. Uh, one of the things that I really like about the Green Book is that it shows you, like, so this is the second to last line on page 109, it says, occurs 1x in the na 28. x na 28 is the green intestine, 1x is the how many times it shows up, so, I don't know, I don't know, oh, it is, it's I lost my BDAG. So this is the, uh, this is affectionately referred to as the BDAG, BDAG because uh, nobody can pronounce the Greek guys who wrote it the German guys' names. It's uh, Bauer, Danker, and then two guys that I I have I've got nothing left. So don't know what to say. So everybody should first do as the B Day. Uh, if you made me pick one resource other than like an English copy, because I'm not going anywhere without an English copy of the Bible and at least some access to a Greek New Testament. That's just, we're going to have to have that. But if you gave me one tool other than the text of Scripture, this would be it. Now, I'm going to tell you what this book is. This book is obscenely difficult to use. Uh, and you have to know the Greek alphabet. Now, the good thing is you can Google the Greek alphabet and get the order of the letters, right? Because this thing is, is laid out like a dictionary. So... But all the entries are in Greek. Now, all the rest of the words are in English, but the entry itself is in Greek. So imagine a dictionary that all the definitions are in English, but the words themselves are in a different language. You're like, well, that seems like it could be challenging to find the right word. Yeah. But if you know the order of the letters, you can work through that. You know? So, what this book does, and I've talked about it a couple of times in here, but I really want to lean into it today. that. What this book does is it goes and it finds all the other works of literature that are not Bible, at the time the Bible was written, and it says how was that word used in common vernacular of the day and other works of literature. So that when we run up on a word that's only used one time in the New Testament, and we don't really have a lot of context to figure out like, which way should we lean with this, this helps us lean into, like, oh, well it shows up in Philo's writings, or it shows up in so-and-so's writings, or it shows up in so and so. This is how it, the context there. So, so imagine like, and I hate that I can't pronounce their names because they they deserve some respect. But imagine having been well read enough in Greek in all the Greek classics, so that you could compile a book like this. This like is a, obscenely complicated, right? It was uh, done by hand. Oh, yeah, it was all done by a- hand yeah, yeah. is one thousand eight hundred, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were these? Uh... German, so their original language was German, and yes. they translated Greek to English. Or they, they, uh, that just wasn't. It's very complicated, yeah. So what you actually find, so I'm back to up the German aspect. What you actually find is that the best Greek resources are in German. So one of my favorite uh, theologians, R.C. Sproul, uh, he actually went to Germany and studied seminary and doctoral level work but he didn't know German. So at the same time as he's learning Greek, he had to learn German so that he can understand his German professors explain the Greek language. Oh, <laughs> now how bad do you love Jesus to go do that? <laughs> like, let's just invite this upon, like what in the world, right? Crazy stuff. Now, so if anybody's Googled this, they're like a hundred bucks, but I will tell you, they don't come out with a new edition. They come out with a new edition in about 30 years, to 40 years. So you're probably good to go for the rest of your life, but I'm just saying it's pretty good. Right. So that would be my one recommendation. So when I go to the B-Bag and look up the definition, here's what it says. Consolation, for this word, consolation, Dr. Like, good. go up to this good space here. Means of consolation. So it could be the, like the, the way that this consolation is actually applied. And then alleviation would be the third possible definition. So this idea of we're alleviating some pressure that has come because of some opposition, and this alleviation of pressure results in, oh, all right, that's good. So, which may have all come to you already. you so, well, that sounds like consolation. Yeah. So what I'm going to press into is that we have really good translations and I'm really grateful for. Because the people who... Translate our English Bibles, are familiar with tools like this, and many, many, many more. They're even way more complicated than I'll get into. So, application number two there is consolation of love in Christ. There is consolation of love in Christ. There's consolation, there consolation of love in Christ. So, what do we do with that? Be consoled with love in Christ. Let His love console you. This is good for us, because nothing else will do. Everything else will be temporary. Everything else will be like, well, that'll last for a little while. That'll make me feel good for a little while. Like, what's going to sustain us forever? For sure, love, well God. Cool. Let's get started practicing now. Why not? If there's any. Encouragement in Christ, and there is. If there's any consolation of love in Christ, and there is. All right, so that word love is the word what, man? Agape. Okay, right? We beat this word to death. And we put all kinds of stuff on it that is not even remotely true. Uh, this is like a regular word for love. It is not only and always ascribed to God's love for humanity. It's just love right? um, affection and benevolence. It became equated with the idea of communion uh, because the Christians would use, the early Christians would use this word to describe the communion meal. So when you see this second definition there at the top of page 110, this love feast, that's not something wonky or weird. This is the communion meal because communion used to be more than a bit of a stale cracker and some terrible grape juice. It used to actually be a meal. And it was okay to do it that way, Right? Uh, now that second definition, the love feast, is used, uh, can be used when the when the agape is plural. Is the agape plural or singular here? Singular. singular. So are we talking about a love feast? No, nope, we're not. we're all we're talking about just regular love. Cool. There's any constellation of love and there it is, which is true. So it goes into this third section here. There's any fellowship with the Spirit. So this word fellowship is uh, koinonia. It's a real common word in the New Testament. It shows it about 19 times. Uh, earlier in Philippians, in Philippians 1:5, it's translated as partnership. So if there's any uh, because of your partnership in the gospel, from the first day until now, it's why Paul thanks and prays and gives thanks for them because of their work in the, the gospel. Um, and then later on in Philippians, it's also translated as fellowship. So this is a really good word. It, if this is this is a word for like. We're working together. There's, there's a relational component to work. And think about, who has Paul paired the Philippians with in this relational component of work? What's the text say? Spirit. The Spirit. Right. What? So God is working with us? That's an awesome partnership. I mean, this is, I let's go play pickup ball, and I got MJ and Scotty on my team. Whoa. Bring it. <laughs> Who you want to play. And everybody else, you know, it's like, just this is crazy. I mean, it's just unbelievable that we get a partner with the Spirit. So application, there is fellowship with the Spirit in Christ. Fellowship of the Spirit in Christ. Now, do we get to have fellowship of the Spirit any other way other than in Christ? You. You. Do we get to have fellowship of the Spirit in any other way other than being in Christ? No. No, we do not. It is is exclusive access only from Jesus. Exclusive access only from Jesus through the gospel. So there's fellowship with the Spirit in Christ. So what do we do with that? Fellowship with the Spirit? I, I hesitate to say this as a command because I'm not sure a, a legitimate... I hate the next of Christian. I'm not sure a Christian cannot fellowship with the Spirit. This is going to occur. Like this is what the Spirit does in the life of a believer. Is there any fellowship with the Spirit? Is there a fellowship with the Spirit? Yes. You guys are not interested about this. I am wearing blinking lights this point. <laughs> I actually distracted myself when I was really flipping too. I was like, what am I? Oh, oh yeah. No, oh, text, text, text. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's a distraction. It is a distraction. I'm so curious what the comments on Facebook are right now. So. All right, so next little clause here. If there's any affection and mercy if there's any affection and mercy. Now, is, is any member of the Trinity mentioned in this phrase? Affection and mercy. Did you hear a member of the Trinity? The answer should be no. Good. The first time this word affection is used, though, in, in Philippians, it was back in Philippians one 8. let me read Philippians one 8. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So Paul has already semantically tied this word to Jesus, and then he's using it again. And Paul is famous for, I've made an association back here, I need you to carry that through as you're thinking about this word in the future. So he's already given a head tip to our head, which is great. All right, ladies telling you what they say. Oh, Tim just said, nice sweater, brother. Oh, uh, right, cool. thank you, Tim. Yeah. I've made a few comments, Sorry. <laughs> I should have known I'm better to give you something to be that distracted with. But this is our last slide this morning, uh, so uh, I, I think are good. I noticed you're that. Either, but yeah, also bigger than the good. Wi-Fi. Yeah. So. All right. So if there's any affection, and this just means, uh, uh, <laughs> so, so look at your first definition. What's the first definition for affection there? And intestine. You're like, this went sideways quicker. Okay. So if, if we were to say, I love you with all my heart, the Greeks would never say that. The Greeks would say, I love you with all my bowels. Because I love you with all my guts. I love you with all, like, like it comes from down here. So when an English reader looks at it, you're like, Intestines like, what? It's a different place. Because I don't know about you. I don't feel, and maybe you should seek medical treatment. If you feel things in your heart area, you should go see a doctor. Like, I feel things in your gut. There you go. You feel that in your gut. But see, that makes sense because your gut controls your brain chemicals, which is hard. Your gut controls your brain chemicals. There you go. Goodness. So, uh, so this affection is this this seed of emotions for a a, a Greek person. Um, And then, mercy. Which is kind of the idea of pity. It's a, it's a fairly rare disorder. Five times in the New Testament. So, if there's any affection and mercy in Christ, does Christ have affection for us? Christ feels His love for us in His gut. You are love. You are, you are more loved than you can possibly fathom. You are more loved than there are words in all the languages in all the history of the world to describe how loved you are. And when they come up with more words for love, you are more loved than that. And at the end of all things, when we look back on all of history, we still will not be able to fully comprehend the love that God has for us. Like it's just unbelievable how loved we are. And it's not just love, it's also mercy. Because boy, don't we need that? Because you can love somebody and not actually engage. You know what? This is I'm going to engage with you. So then Paul kind of transitions here and he says in verse two, "Make my joy complete, or complete my joy." Oh, sorry, application on the bottom. There is affection and mercy in Christ. There is affection and mercy in Christ. Experience affection, mercy, and mercy in Christ. See it. And love it. Enjoy it. Wall around with it. It's awesome. You're never going to get it better anywhere else. Everything else is a fake conversion. Experience, affection, and mercy. Alright, let me transition to verse 2. It says, Make my joy complete. And again, I, I feel... I love this lesson because I get to attack agape and joy in the same way. Um, and what we have done to over-Christian and spiritualize these words. It's like, it means love. It means happy. There's not a special kind of happy for the Christian. It's just happy. The source of the happiness is what is special to the Christian. It is not the, uh, a different type. I mean, pagans can be really happy. You've never seen a happy pagan? If a pagan's really happy, but the source of their happiness comes from somewhere completely and totally different. The source of their happiness is going to go away. The source of our happiness is never going to go away, so I can have even more. This is a great, right? So uh, uh, an application here is that, because Paul says it's pretty straightforward, he says Christians can help other Christians fill up their joy. It's complete my joy. I have some joy. But I need you to complete my joy. That's awesome. So Christians can help other Christians fill up their joy. And then he tells them how. So we're going to have the personalization during the next page. So let's go through the page. Says, uh, and this work for complete means it's a uh, it just means a fill up so don't work but this is a plural imperative so a group a command and this is how he tells them to do it by thinking that like, way by thinking what shouldn't we have to like shouldn't we have to do something like we got to do something right paul like we're going to get to the do part but part of the do part is taking and if you don't if you're not aligned in your thoughts, you're never going to be aligned in your actions. There's the reason orders and sequences these this way. And this is a plural present active subjunctive. So this is the mood of possibility, right? So this phroneo, this idea of thinking. And this this word thinking is actually used twice. This Greek word is used twice in this sentence. It's translated as thinking here, and it's translated as intent uh, later on in this. sentence. The exact same word. So by thinking the same, and there's, notice there's not actually a Greek word for way at the end, it's just thinking the same. So how do we, as Christians, help other Christians fill up their joys? So the personalization there is be unified in the object of our thoughts. Be unified in the object of our thoughts. Who should be the object of our thoughts? Bethany, I'm coming back to you. Thanks. Christ is exactly right. Our Lord Jesus Christ that's exactly right. See, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, all sorts of crazy stuff happens because we will not put our eyes on anything else. But when we, the church, collectively, are focused on Christ, a whole bunch of this other stuff really doesn't matter as much. Like not nearly as much as we kind of make the to. So by... Complete my joy by thinking the same way. Page 113. Having, this is a present active participle, so this is a habit. So now he's kind of, the the, the first one was like, think the same way. I think you could do this. This next one is, here's the habit of your activity, right? Having the same love. What do you mean, having the same love? Having the same love. Whose love? Christ's love. Exactly that. Exactly that. See, your application in the Bible 113, unity and love is a Christian habit. If the world didn't come up with the concept of love, I mean, that's not where it came from. I get that there's been a lot of cool songs sung about the concept of love, but that's not where the, that's not where the world got love. Unity and love is a Christian habit. So be unified in love. about love, that could end up in some weird places, right? They didn't stop there, like, Unit, unit uh, United in spirit. This is one word, this united in spirit. Um, and, and how many times does this word show up in the uh, Greek New Testament? Oops. It up at once in the Greek New Testament, right? So, so it says uh, jointly of soul or sin, similar in sentiment. The BDAG definition was harmonious, like okay. I now, if, if we have the same love as the love of Christ, does it make sense that we would then be harmonious in the way that we engage with each other? Yeah. It's because these things all fit together. This is, a, this is a package deal. So, unity in spirit is a Christian habit. Application number two. Unity in spirit is a Christian habit. So what do we do with that? Unify spirit. Unity in spirit is Christian habits to be unified in spirit. And then the next word here is intent, on page 113. The phrase is intent on one purpose. So this word intent is a plural, present active participle. So now we've gotten to our group standing command, right, supposed to be done forever. This is the same word as thinking that we saw just a second ago. Uh, so thinking the same way, and this is intent on one. Now, do you, do you, what, what do you see after the word purpose at top of page 114? Period, right? There's not actually a Greek word for the word purpose. Uh, a, a more wooden stiff way to translate this would be um, thinking uh, the one, like thinking the one, that seems kind of weird, so the English translators add a little bit here to help us see, like, thinking the one way, thinking the same way, thinking the consistent way, so what are we going to be thinking about? Yeah, This time of year is a really popular time in Christian subculture to pick a, uh, a word of the year for the next year. This is my word. I claim this word for my word. I mean, I've never, like, he gave us a word. Like, please stop saying that for me it seems really wonky that you. Me. It seems super wonky to me. Um, but if you want a word, I would go with the word. Let's just focus on Christ. That's going to that's help all these other little focuses go somewhere else. So, uh, the last application of personalization here is unity in thought is a Christian habit. Unity in thought is a Christian habit. <coughs> so we should have unity in love, unity in spirit, unity in thought. That's a lot of unity. And <laughs> so, that's, that's a high bar. So, what do we do with that? Unify in thought. It's my non Christian Christmas message. That we unified. Okay. The baby changed everything. Sure. Absolutely. It was the greatest unplanned pregnancy in the history of the world. But, I mean, from like Mary Joseph's perspective, yeah, right? I got to just plan it all the way. I got bad here. It's not even that, right? <laughs> but, but it wasn't just, oh, it was cute up sweaters and there's fun parties and there's this no 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 we're supposed to be unified unified in love unified in the spirit unified in thought so let's go be unified this is a good message this is the good news that the gospel of our lord jesus christ changes everything so all right you should have uh, at your tables so we- Update so if you'll graduate with the update, make sure your names are at the bottom on one side, uh, requests on the back side. The next two weeks, there is no our Sunday school. Um, I actually don't think there's any other Sunday school classes going on, so. but uh, so yeah, so we'll be back. But we're going on January the 8th, it seems like forever away. Uh, and I will hopefully have answered that question that is bugging me about the structure. And- <laughs> Uh, Philippians 2 1 and 2. Uh, but we'll pick up, Lord William then with uh, Philippians 2 and 3. And uh, we'll go from there. So, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All the things that I just looked to say. But uh, focus on the one. easy to get distracted and everything else, but focus on the one. Thanks, guys.